Welcome to Salt Lime Storytime, the podcast where we tell you stories worth telling over drinks. I'm Jess Nani, joined today by my choo-choo chug-chug co-host, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! That was so close! <laughs> I think that's the take. Okay. <laughs> 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 joined... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I'm joined today by my co-host, Allison Hillman, and today I get two Hillmans for the price of one. Lucky me. Having a sale. Bogo of the best. Welcome mm-hmm. to Salt Lime Storytime, Kyle Hillman. Happy to be here. Finally giving the internet what they've been asking for. Oh my gosh, every subreddit that you can even find has been asking when is kyle going to come on the podcast it's been like that since we started so blowing up my phone since we began kyle has been the butt of a lot of salt lime story time (laughs) jokes yes so we're here to let him set the record straight on anything he wants to set the record straight but before we get started allison as this is becoming slowly becoming a segment at the beginning of our, our episodes, what ghost stories <laughs> have you learned from your EMT training this week? Okay. Um, I do first want to acknowledge the choo-choo chug-chug thing was so funny because we just had a lengthy conversation about trains right before logging on. And it anyway, that just almost wrecked me. That was so funny. It was like a train wreck of a joke, but in the best way possible. Okay. So I did another ride along. I did my third ride along, right? And of course what I did is I, at some point when we slowed down, asked a bunch of the firefighters, like the four or five that I was with, like, okay, do you think this place is haunted? And it was like a brand new group as well. And at the other station, and they were telling me they see, always at night, they'll be watching TV and they'll see a figure walk past the window that goes into the garage where the fire trucks are kept. And it's always the same height. And it's always a black figure walking past the window. And multiple of them have seen it multiple times. Another time, two of them were there. And they both left to go get something at the same time and came back. And there is a big black box that they were going to take onto the ambulance at some point. And when they came back, like two or three things had been stacked on top of that black box. And they were like why did you do that? And then the other one was like, I didn't do that. You did it. And then there's like, no, I didn't. And then out of nowhere, a bunch of shit on the shelves just flew off at them. And they both literally just said, nope. And just what? And just left. But you like, it's they they can't just like leave though. That's the thing is like, they still have to be there. Anyway, so a bunch of shit flew off the shelves at them at the exact same time when they were trying to figure out who stacked all that stuff up. And then they still had to be there, but I'm sure they just cried in the corner holding each other. And then, okay, so story from one of the other stations, the full body apparition. I learned more about that. It's the apparition of a Native American man, square face, long black hair, square build, and multiple people had seen him and they were like who is this guy like well we turn around and he's standing right there like clear as day and then he disappears and they they looked into it and it turns out a while ago there there's a few buildings right next to this fire station one of the workers for the city he happened to be this native american man he hung himself in that building directly next to the fire station and he has been haunting the fire station ever since i hate that so much Mm -hmm. wow it's pretty awful this wouldn't happen to be like a bunch of firefighter bros like fucking with the rookie would it no no because there was somebody in the room there one of the firefighters didn't believe in any of this and he was laughing at them and they were getting super upset they're like i cannot fucking believe that you don't believe any of this i no, i'm sure i hope something happens to you tonight like i like wipe that smirk off your fucking face bro like i'm not joking like this fuck and he's like i believe he's like you don't fucking believe like they were like getting at each other about it like they were really it got to a point where i was just kind of sitting in on the conversation conversation but i was like at one point i was like i wonder if they are fucking with me but like they were so serious about it and they all had so many stories and the fact that one of them didn't believe any of it and was giving them shit and they were actually getting personally offended it just added to the credibility okay so i'm leading to the worst ones okay so i learned at the station i was at the first time 
I heard some more stories because they all rotate what stations they're at. So they've all been in every station. And of course, they, they work 42 or 48 hour shifts. So they're there for two full days. And so they sleep there, eat there, whatever. And they have their own separate individual, like, small rooms. And... <laughs> okay. So one of them was telling me that there's this room that they call the dungeon. And nobody likes sleeping in there because they all have awful night terrors. And they <gasps> wake up screaming. But worst of all, this is where they have the sleep paralysis. And what I didn't know the first time, though is that the sleep paralysis is accompanied by a reoccurring nightmare. Ugh. An identical nightmare that, like, four firefighters have had sleeping in that room. No, thank you. And Jess, before you disappear off the screen, would you like to know what the nightmare <laughs> is? Oh, yeah, I guess. I thought about this last night and I had a hard time falling asleep. Okay, so the nightmare is they have sleep paralysis, which they actually actually do, but they are watching themselves have sleep paralysis from like this top upper corner of the room. And nope. so they're looking down on themselves having sleep paralysis, but there's something floating above them. Uh. Unironically, like I am as serious as the day is long. Burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm with Jess on this one. No, but actually, they are going to tear that building down. They're building a new fire station across the street. So that building will be gone in a bit. Like, that that thing's falling apart. I'm sure it'll be very therapeutic for all of them. Jesus. I'm not going to lie. And so multiple of them have had that exact same nightmare. What The guy that was telling me this story, he was like, I've had that dream three times when I was standing in oh there. And I will wake up and I will be straining like something sitting on my chest. And then you'll finally be able to, like get out of the dream one of the other firefighters was having the, the the exact same dream and he was like straining against the sleep paralysis and then it lifted so fast that his arm and leg flew up and smacked the wall like somebody was holding you down and then let go and then you go and smack the wall because your arm has like with all that force uh -uh. it woke up the chief and the chief was like what the fuck and another time I don't know. I don't think it was this room. It was in a different room. One of them, he gets up to go pee in the middle of the night. He comes back. The light to his room is on. And he watches as his car keys slowly slide off the desk and drop to the floor. Mm -mm. Not quickly, but slowly and then drop. And then he went in and he put a ball on the desk to make sure that there wasn't at like an incline and the ball didn't move. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've had sleep paralysis a couple times in my house, and now I'm just going to, yeah, it's great. Isn't that awful? But the fact that they wake up and they not only see themselves with sleep paralysis, but they see a black smoky figure floating, hovering above their beds, watching them. Yep. Nope. In that same room, another one woke up to see a black figure about this far away from his face. Oh, God damn it. In, in oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, like I said, these are like hardy, toughened guys who are on on the daily you would not expect. Like, these are the type of people I would not ever ask if you believe in ghosts because they would like be mean to me. You know what I'm saying? But they believe so hard because of all the experiences they've had. They were like when they were yelling at their coworker, they're like, You're so fucking dumb if you don't think this place is haunted. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? Anyway. So that that kid is new. That's why that they they were just like you just got to wait. And one of them literally said, "You just haven't seen enough dead people yet." Oh my god! <laughs> I was like fucking hell. Allison, so, you're screwed. Like, why why did you do this to yourself? I don't know, but I've already seen two, and so far, no, nothing's followed me home. Knock on wood. But I made very sure of that. I tried very hard. Just like bring your smudging stuff into the ambulance. I'm gonna wear like four pounds of crystals every time I leave and go to this place. Just like shaking. Um, sometime one time they were sleeping in the ambulance because they were so scared. And the like, there's this like metal step that you flip up and down to step down. It like slams down and shakes the whole ambulance. And anyway, so those are just a couple. I know that was a little longer than I meant it to be, but. Those are just some of the ghost stories I heard just from a, a different group of firefighters. I still have yet to talk to several, so. And you'd already told me a lot of these, and I hated it just as much or more the second time. <clears throat> do, I yeah. need to, do I need to write a book chronicling firefighter ghost stories? Is that is that you my might. third career path? I think so. 
you know, and it's funny because right after I heard these ghost stories, Kyle calls me. So I go out and I'm like in the in the garage where they all the fire trucks are and stuff where they hear a lot of footsteps and all that shit. But that was just the best place for me to go to talk privately. So I'm talking to Kyle and I hear one of the firefighters like open the door and walk past the fire truck on the other side. And so I was like, oh, I wonder who that was. So I go around the fire truck to see who it was and literally nobody was there. Then I looked to my oh, right my through God. the window and the door and all four of them were still sitting at in the chairs in front of the TV and they hadn't moved. So I was like, well, fuck me. I didn't even tell them about that because they were going to I was like, they're going to think I'm making it up because they just told me these ghost stories. But I heard somebody open that door or open a door next to it and then walk past the fire truck on the opposite side of me, which is where they see the apparition all the fucking time. Anyway, those are my stories. Thank you all for listening. Sorry to take up some time on this three, two, one shots, but no, we're here for it. We're here for it. So I thought before we get started, all the way, I think it would be fun. Kyle, how do how did you meet Allison? How do you know her? Um, I watched her. I watched her come into this world. You watched Allison be born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my parents are like hippies. They did home births and I there's like pictures of me and my I don't know if you know this but our mom does like Reiki. Yeah. And uh of course you know this. Silly me. So Allison there's pictures of Allison being born and me standing there giving my mom Reiki when I'm like two and a half years old. So I watched that ugly little head be pushed into the bloody water of this world. <laughs> Kicking, wow. screaming, big fat head. Talk about an OG. Mm -hmm. Allison, how did you meet Kyle? I met Kyle um, on the most upsetting day of my life. (laughs) The day that I entered this world. And he just happened to be there. There's a couple photos of us uh, where he's holding me and I'm screaming my head off. And I'm like, what is this? And then he he looks very upset but we just disturbed like very confused and like he doesn't want to be a part of this and i uh, equally don't want to be a part of it but Mm -hmm. for my parents were like hey hold your sister we'll take a pic and we were both like don't ever do this to us again but we became friends in our (laughs) 20s and so here we are huge yeah huge jess how did you meet kyle kyle i'm trying to remember when i met you yeah I just Must feel the bluebird. like you just kind of like appeared one day and it was like, oh, that's Kyle, Allison's brother. No, it would have been earlier than that. I went to I went to your guys's house in high school. Kyle was never there. But you were. Yeah, you were never. I, I don't know. At some yeah. point, you just kind of appeared into the ether. And then Kyle and I have been neighbors at one point. You have two houses down from me. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I still never saw you there. No, I, we just came to parties at your house. Uh yeah party till the cops got called well that was not my fault he told me to turn it up and i did listen we were having a great time but anyway that playlist that playlist was bop i know it was a it was a great time i'm like having all of these recovered memories of that house um but yeah otherwise i don't know kyle you just have kind of always existed uh i'm I'm omnipotent you are omnipotent um i have a box set of avatar the last airbender thanks to you and uh, oh <laughs> cool yeah i'm glad that's still in uh, in the family i think it was like a pirated version or something like they're not yeah really it's a sure. it's a really yeah. funny dvd set but <laughs> it gets the job done i bought my own dvds that are actually legit and gave those to jess out of the kindness of my heart so she has the og pirated version mm-hmm. Heck yeah. mm-hmm. uh, well allison what, what are you shooting today Saint Germain elderflower liqueur, and I'm on my second busy. Amazing, Kyle. How about you? What are you shooting today? Kraken rum. Ugh. All right, all right. <laughs> we all, all have right. experiences We've met. There. We've met. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we have not met again in a long time. <laughs> you guys, I'm almost to the end of these little tiny flavored vodkas. Today's flavor is green apple, <laughs> which I feel like oh, God. should be okay. And then I'm drinking a canned Paloma. Okay, Kyle, do you want to count us down? Yeah! I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. Yes, you have. Three, two, one. Shots! Shots. Oof. Oof. I think that was the worst one. (laughs) I think that was the worst one. (laughs) It's like, it's like hot. It tastes like, it just tastes like hot apple peels. (laughs) 
The espresso one was better than that. Oh my god. Just uh, your face. You were just silent screaming. That was so funny. It like didn't kick in until it was like already kind of down my throat. And then I tasted it and I was like, mm. okay, Kyle, as the guest, you got to bring us a prompt for us to chat about. Give give us the tea. What are we talking about today? I think we could talk about sibling dynamics. Oh, interesting. Interesting to be on a podcast with two <laughs> siblings discussing sibling dynamics. I Listen, you give us the window to talk about ourselves. We're going to take it. Love so, and we're such dynamic that. siblings. Yeah, I would sure say so. You guys are you guys are fun to uh, watch banter with each other. So I'm excited to have this. Okay. And you have siblings too. So I do. Well known. I do have 3 of them, but Okay, okay, okay. To start us off, Kyle, I'll prompt this to you as a fellow oldest child. When was the first time you felt like a big brother? Like, what was the first big brotherly act you felt like you ever did? I'm very curious. So I wasn't that mean in a lot of the traditional senses, but I definitely was mean in the exclusionary sense. I was like, my little sister, no, I don't want to do anything with you. Uh, I would say... Probably, like, at City of Rocks, you know, like, climbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. We'd, like, climb around, and I'd push her to climb more. And if I was forced to hang out with you, I feel like I'd kind of hang out with you. Or just be lost in my own world and let you follow along. I mean, that's kind of what it was. I remember I would usually, because I was two and a half years younger than you, you were, like, ten. I was, like, seven and a half. I would get exhausted much quicker and whine and then you'd be very upset but i was also a bitch i didn't i don't like and i still don't like being forced to do physical activity Hmm. yeah that's fair how about you jess yeah when did you first feel like a big sister um so i have the very unique experience of my next sibling is seven and a half years younger than me or seven almost seven years and a month younger than me so i vividly remember blaine being born i remember my mom being pregnant i remember her telling me that she was pregnant with him and i think probably the first time that i felt the i don't want to call it a burden because that's not what it was but like the weight of being the oldest i have this very vivid memory of my mom had to run and pick up a prescription or something like something that she could not do any other time and it was kind of this emergency situation and i was probably nine and i she had just had my other younger brother xander he was down for a nap and I had to change my other brother's diaper and I was like nine and I had only changed diapers a handful of times and changing his diaper. It's like a core memory for me of like, I'm helping mom. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do as a big sister. So probably that, or I like kind of helped with caretaking because both of my parents were not like, like busy a lot. And so I like, I babysat a lot. Uh, particularly in middle school and high school. And so I feel like I kind of had a unique older sibling experience where like I watched, I like watched my siblings all the time. So I was like around them all the time. So I don't know. You know, actually you just changed what it was. Yeah. It just, uh, it just came clear to me too. It was when Allison, uh, accident prone little kid, especially on bikes when she she rode her bike (laughs) out in front of this little old lady on oxygen and this poor old lady going 10 miles an hour just slammed into allison she was in a car by the way she wasn't on her walker like she was driving in a car (laughs) she was in a car she wasn't she was going like 15 yeah i saw it maybe solid 10 15 miles an hour yeah um but yeah hit allison on her bike and then Allison's like bleeding from her face, mm-hmm. and my ba- our babysitter is obviously freaking out because she's like, I mean, back then I was like eight, so she, she seemed all old. She was and wise. like, she was fourteen or fifteen years old. Yeah, so she's freaking out. And then like a, this random bystander saw and he called like he called nine one one, and I was like, call my mom, call my mom, and he's like, I'm calling nine one one. And so I I sprinted home, and called my mom and told her, and I think yeah, that's probably the first time I like big brother thing of like just instinctively sprinting home calling mom Mm -hmm. and the caretaker instinct kicked in yeah and then it went away and then i was a dick again yeah you had fleeting moments you had fleeting moments okay allison 
Here's a question for you because Kyle and I are both oldest siblings. And even though we're oldest siblings in very different ways, you came into this world with no other concept than having a sibling. When do you, do you feel like there was ever a moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I am a sister or has it kind of just like always been there? It was like I idolized my brother from the minute I was born. Like it was always a competition. I always wanted to like be around him, hang out with him. I was a huge tomboy. He liked skateboarding, so I liked skateboarding. Like it was a bunch of, I don't know. I very much idolized him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think I don't want to say I grew out of that, but like I definitely once I became, you know, more of like middle school age, mm-hmm. I didn't gravitate towards that as much. But mm-hmm. I always very much felt like I remember. I always wanted because Kyle, like you didn't have the best of times in elementary school. Like people were really mean to you, and I felt really bad. And I remember at that time, portable CD players were a huge thing because this was like the early, early two thousands, and so yeah. portable CD players were a big thing, and all the cool kids had them. And I know I remember Kyle really wanted one, and he was being bullied, and his friends were being mean to him. And so I saved up all this money. I think it was like twenty dollars. And I had mom take me to the store and I bought him a portable CD player and I gave it to him as a gift so that he could be cool um, in front of his friends. You're so sweet. Do you remember that? I don't deserve you. I didn't know you gave that to me. I forgot that part. Yeah, I bought it. I bought it for you God, so that you could be cool. You're such a sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you so much. But yeah, I, I was like, wow. I just hated how mean that they were being to you. And I was like, this will fix it. Wow. That's so sweet. Thank you. I do what I can. I mean, I was also a dick. Like, don't get me wrong. Well, but I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I regret how much I just tried to, like, cut you out and just be like, oh, whatever Allison does is lame. I'm going to go do my own thing with my friends. Like, I very much just didn't do anything with the family. It was all just friends. I mean, that's also what it is. I mean, you were the oldest. You were, I'm sorry to say it, you were a boy. So it's like, God forbid, who knows what you were thinking and going through. I was an annoying little sister. I was annoying. I was very annoying. I talked a lot. I didn't know how to be funny yet. And I was just annoying. So I get why you didn't want me around your friends. I was a very, very obnoxious child. So I don't fault you for that. I remember the day you became funnier than me. God. (laughs) I was like so proud, but so upset. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to tell us when she became funnier than you? (laughs) Was it the stupid interrupting cow joke? That might have been. Was that it? There, that was, I think, the moment that you remember. I remember one time I, it was my memory for sure making you laugh. I can't remember what the joke was, but I remember very vividly my eyes were huge and I was like, don't mess this up. He thinks it's funny. Don't say anything else. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> but I, I think I was like 10 or something. I can't remember. But then, yeah, the interrupting cow joke, you almost spat soup out of your nose because you're trying really hard not to laugh. It's not a, like a creative knock-knock joke. It's one of the most famous no. knock-knock jokes of all time. But I was like, do you want to hear a joke? You're like, it's not going to be funny. Like, you're not, you're not funny. <laughs> and then, like, we were eating soup for dinner. And then I told him and he started scream laughing. The Jess, you know, the interrupting cow knock knock joke, Oh, right? I'm very familiar. I have two little brothers. I know the interrupting cow joke. Yeah. yeah, but Kyle, for some freaking reason, had never heard it. And so I graced him with. Wow. Yeah. I tried so hard to think you weren't funny. I know. Like an active effort on my part. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't really start liking me until you were, until I was like 21 or 22. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was there. I was around for that relationship transformation. <laughs> All of a sudden, we started hanging out with Kyle, who we'd never seen before. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Kyle, you were in an eight-year-long relationship, and that took up a lot yeah. of your time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, being in a relationship since the age of 15 for eight years is not recommendable to anybody. But yeah, it just kind of creates this weird little bubble of I didn't realize how much influence she had over my thoughts and my actions and my beliefs and after that was over I kind of like reinvented how I thought about everything and you know decided to like get Allison back in my life get my dad back in my life that kind of thing and not saying that like you know my ex was like oh Allison's the worst or don't hang out with her or anything like that it's just like I had a whole shift of how I always had thought about things you know mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, I feel like the there's a very interesting transformation when siblings become adults. I'm in that I'm in that process right now. So it was interesting because I was witness on the sidelines to you guys becoming friends as adults. 
And I'm now in that process with my sibling that uh, he he turned 19 in January and he's on a mission right now. So it's a little bit different because he's, you know, has very limited communication. But before he went on his mission, there was like a lot of stuff that he and I talked about that we had never talked about before that we had never acknowledged, like some stuff that that we remembered as kids that like nobody else would understand. Nobody else would like remember and it was so interesting because for so long I was like I'm your caretaker I am here to like play second fiddle to mom and dad when they're not around and me having a relationship as peers with you does not like is not in my vocabulary where he like graduated from high school and even a little bit before that he turned 18 and it was like oh you're a human being so I think that's like as an oldest sibling that's really interesting is like there's this huge transformation of, oh, you're a person. You're not just like this, like, thi- like this, I don't want to call it a thing because my siblings aren't things, but like, Kyle, you know what I'm saying? Like, Allison stopped yeah. being a thing to you and she became a person that you can be friends with that like has the unique position of like understanding your family dynamics and your back trauma in a way that no, literally no one else on this planet can. That's what, that's what, that's what, that's what I was like thinking this whole time is like this had never really occurred to me in such like concrete terms but when when you're kids and you're growing up you're trying to focus on the differences between you like Mm -hmm. oh we're so different in this different in that like I'm not like this she's like that but then when you grow up and you're and you have the context of the real world a little more you're like holy shit there's no one in this world that has a more similar life experience than Mm -hmm. I do and understands my background understands the shit we went through growing up and it makes you realize that there's like that that there's no one who can understand me or my life as much as mm-hmm. Allison does, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Allison, how does that feel for you as a younger sibling? No, I mean it's true. It definitely got to a point when you know, like kind of like I said, or I was like idolizing my brother so much and so much and so much, but it got to an age where I just stopped caring, right? Until he mm-hmm. didn't care, so I kind of started doing my own thing. And I honestly think older siblings forget that you are developing as your own personal human being and you're having mm-hmm. experiences outside of just what they see. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you, you kind of like you said, Jess, but like you are developing into your own person outside of relationships, whether they are there or not, you're becoming somebody completely different. And I feel like that's something that a lot of older siblings like miss in general. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't see that development until it's like, until you're fully somebody that they're like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting. I had this experience where I drove back from Southern Utah one-on-one with my little brother who's on the mission. And he, so we had like three and a half hours of just uninterrupted car time there and back. And we drove to and from Cedar in one day. And so we had like almost seven hours of like alone time. And we talked about everything under the sun in regards to like, like he asked me for the very first time why I left the church. And all these other things that, like, it was just baffling to be asked that by a member of, like, like one of my siblings. Because in my head, it was just like, oh, this is a thing that you aren't perceiving about me. And then vice versa. Like, I asked him a bunch of – I basically was, like, getting to know him. Like, it was like, oh, I – like, you are a person. I now am like, okay, let's get to know you. It was the most bizarre experience. I think I have – you know, I've been out of the house for – almost you know going on 10 eight years now and for my little sister she's 13 years old I left the house the year she went to kindergarten so she has like no memory of me living like very little memory of me living at home so like I'm literally getting to know her at like family like Sunday dinners isn't that crazy that's wild yeah and like via text like I'm getting to know my sister via text. She's like a cousin. I was like going to say, would you consider her more of a sister or like a daughter almost? Um, no, I think she's very much like a sister to me. Okay. I The relationship I would have said that it most closely resembles because I have this. So my dad's youngest sister, I'm closer in age to her than I am to my own sister. So I, my aunt Kyra, she's my dad's youngest sibling. 
she babysat me a ton. Like we've gone on vacations, you know, we'd always share a bed when on, we were on vacation kind of thing. So she was the closest thing I had to an older sister. And then it's been interesting because that was my only example of like a sisterly relationship. I feel like because of that, I have approached my relationship with my little sister as more of a fun aunt as opposed to a sister. And it's only been in the last three months that I feel like that has started to transition. Um, And I've been able to kind of take more of the like true older sister, like when you have something going on that you need to talk to somebody about, you can talk to me about it kind of thing. And like Mm -hmm. she started calling me when like her and my parents have, you know, fights and stuff. So like that's been a transition in the last couple of months. But until then, I would have said she's like a niece. And I think that's partly because my example of what an older sister is, is my aunt. And I am her niece. Interesting. Like her daughter calls me Aunt Jessie. Even though I am not her aunt, I am her cousin. Hmm. Yeah, Mormon family dynamics are buck wild. <laughs> <laughs> to put it bluntly, yes. That's yeah, true. well, and it's hard. Like, my parents didn't mean to have so much space between us. Like, my mom had infertility issues. And obviously, like, she had me really young. And so they wanted to wait for a little bit. And then they had some issues getting pregnant with my next little brother. But then my other siblings are two and a half years apart, each of them almost perfectly. And so it's kind of like, it's an interesting, like they, my other, my little brother that's on a mission, he's very much an older brother. Like if I, like he is the oldest while also still being like my younger brother. It's very interesting. Okay. I've got a, I've got a hard hitting question for, question for you guys. So obviously like sibling relationships have like come with their share of conflicts. How do you feel like you guys have navigated your disagreements or differences over the last 26 years any advice for the people navigating adult relationships with their siblings what i did is let it go (laughs) because kyle you would get very upset if we were having an argument about something you'd be like no 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 it's this way and i'd be like okay whatever i just (laughs) so i i got through it by letting it go and we can have more civil conversations now Mm-hmm. But I mostly it's just so dropped the subject. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I feel like I just ignored you if I didn't. I, I had, like, the just ignore you approach if I didn't agree or whatever. Anyway, Jess, what about you? How have you communicated with your siblings? Uh, I It's very passive. I agree with both of you guys' sentiments. I think that I, I have the dynamic of, like, with my siblings where they're so much younger than me that it doesn't feel like it's worth it to fight. So I've kind of taken the approach of like the humor as a, as a conflict diffuser, but also like as a teaching thing. So like I, there was a recent example in the last like two year or two where my middle brother, my younger brother kept making kind of like misogynistic your mom jokes, which I know like my mom, he was, I mean, he's, he was 14, 15 at the time, like just doing what 15 year old boys do. Um, and my mom had like asked him to go put away some dishes or something. And he was like, well, he like made a joke about moms being, it's supposed to be in the kitchen or whatever. And like, I think that, and even my, like, and my, my dad was like, not funny. Like, you know, like very (laughs) much like (laughs) the diffusing thing. But, um, and my mom was like, "Mm, you're gonna like, watch what you say there, my friend. And I was like okay, I can, like, get, like, really mad that my brother is, like, making these jokes, or I can use this as a teaching moment, and I was like, hey, Xander, have you ever Googled invisible labor? And, like, kind of turned it into, like, kind of a funny thing of, like, you know, there's all this stuff that mom goes into, because, like, my mom had made, it was, I was on his birthday, so my mom had made him a birthday cake, she decorated, she's gotten his presents, and, like, my dad, like, didn't know what my mom had gotten him for his birthday, because, like, I mean, and also, to be fair to my dad, like, he works, like, crazy hours and whatever, but anyway, it was this whole thing, and then my brother, like, I diffused it with, like, kind of some humor of, like, but she didn't know what invisible labor was, huh? You know, whatever, this is, Anyway, I tried to make it funny. Um, and then he Googled it and he was like baffled. Like it blew his mind. <laughs> Hell yeah. So it was like, it was so like, I feel like that's kind of my tact of like, like I kind of go at it with that sort of tone of like, hmm, hmm have you, have you Googled this? Like kind of like the like semi disbelief, but like kind of funny, like 
you know, there's only been like one true conflict that I've had with a sibling and it was resolved through our parents and it wasn't even like us against each other. It was just like us fundamentally disagreeing with each other ideologically and we just kind of have never talked about it since. <laughs> so there's only so much you can do until you reach a certain age. Like you can't yeah. Yeah. actually talk about like you can't resolve really fundamental differences when you're 16 years old. No. Well, and it's also that thing of, like, my siblings live in my parents' house. And so it's, like, there's only a certain level that I'm willing to, like, get into certain topics with my siblings because, like, they're living in my parents' house by my parents' rules. And I don't want to overstep my boundaries of, like, parenting them. You know what I mean? hmm And I think that, like, the unhealthy communication dynamics that Allison and I had growing up um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we used that as a counterexample. And now, if there's ever a conflict between us or anything like that, or one of us is feeling a certain way or the other, I'm not afraid to... I, I, I think that both of us just express it mm-hmm. openly and freely. And, and and now we have that trust built where we know that there's like... That we're there for each other and we'll always be there for each other. Mm-hmm. And that I'm not afraid to be like, hey, this is bothering me and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it's created a very... Where Allison and I now over communicate because, like you know, the famous Evan Hillman expected us to read his mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so that's another thing. Kyle and I, we have we use humor almost exclusively oh, when yeah. it comes to our father mm-hmm. now because it's 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 in a, it's inappropriate. Actually funny. But... It's actually funny. Anyway, and so that's a huge part of our relationship. This is just like there's no nothing else to do but be really upset by this or just think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Alice and I have very much developed humor as a coping mechanism, so both of us are the ones that will be, like, laughing at a funeral. But that's not because we don't care. It's because we do. It's because there's nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When mm-hmm. I was doing chest compressions on that guy, I made a joke. Like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> of course you fucking did. And it made them laugh. It, like, actually made them. And I was like, this is so fucked up. Tell us what the joke was. You told me. It was just like, if this, I like looked at the battalion chief. I was like, if this guy wakes up, I'm going to fucking pass out. <laughs> and then he thought it was so funny. And I was like, that's so fucked up. Thank God the family wasn't in the room at that moment. Because it's like, well, yeah. I could not feel worse for them. This is awful. But I, anyway. I mean, because you were doing chest compressions on a guy who's dead as fuck. So it's like, if this guy comes too, that's a little bit scarier. If he were to sit up and gasp, I would have passed away. <laughs> No, that's what I was like. I would, they would have another cardiac arrest on their hands. I'm not, I was not joking because that was my first time doing it on a real living person. I almost blacked out like twice. <laughs> he comes to, that's going to push me over the edge. And I told him that and he thought it was really funny, but he's like inserting an airway into his like trachea. And I was just like, Meh. And, uh, so <laughs> humor is how I deal with, uh, with most things. Cause if you can make someone laugh. And I mean, not the most tasteful joke, but it, I was just being honest in that moment. What is salt lime story time? Hashtag not the most tasteful. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I'll name this episode. Yeah. Um, okay, you guys, since you're both, you know, you're both humorous. Do you guys have an inside joke that will ruin the other every single time? Like, if you reference anything, is there like one inside? Well, it joke just sucks that... to feel someone important. I mean, that's yeah, the one we're that's using the, one. the most recently. That's the one. Because yep. that's the last thing our father said to us before he completely ignored us. And he has been since yep. Christmas. And that's yep. the last thing he said to us. And he will not talk to us. And so, anyway, that's what we say to each other all the time. We're just like, hey, do you want to, like, play that game? And I'm like, no. And he's like, Kyle's like, oh, it just sucks. You feel so unimportant. <laughs> so fucking funny this man is in his 60s i know it's like dude there was a scheduling error we didn't come up with a time it's nothing unimportant man what are you like 10 he's a 13 year old girl stuck in a 60 something year old man's body (laughs) anyway that's facts so that's one of it jess you have any inside jokes with your siblings your mom jokes are like blatantly banned in my parents' house for like a lot of reasons, but my mom like particularly hates it. So every time I go over, I write a your mom joke on the little like whiteboard where my mom keeps her grocery list. Like almost every time I go over there. And it's like never anything mean. It's just like like sometimes I do like your mom like I just like will write your mom on the board just in small letters for them to find. Like I 
I don't know. That's... Does every mom have a small whiteboard in the kitchen that she keeps yes. notes on? My mom does. My mom, like our mom does for sure. That's so funny. I just as you should. I think the yeah. best way to do is like I do when I do your mom jokes in front of our mom, I'm like, your mom's the best. Like I will do like mm-hmm. your mom jokes, yeah. but like reverse where it's like a compliment, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. want to be pissed, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Anyway, Jess, I do have a question for you. Okay. How do you think your younger siblings view you? Because we've heard how you view them with the seven-year age gap. How do you think they view you? That's a really great question. Thank hmm. you so much. <laughs> it's like you're a podcast host. <laughs> so I think the big thing, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think my brother that's on a mission views me very much as like a normal older sister. Like, I think that that's very much our dynamic that always has been. He remembers me being at home for a lot of being at home, like for a lot of his childhood. I would say that my middle sibling, Xander, probably the same way. Like, I think that he views me as like very much just like a sister that doesn't live at home, you know? And then I think my youngest sister, it has been kind of that dynamic of like, I think she's really really stoked that I exist and wants to be closer to me than we are and we're like navigating that right now so I think that's been by far she is the sibling that I like am working on how to be a better big sister to more so than anybody else that that actually leads me to my next question for you is like how do you think your parents view your relationship with your siblings are you more of a big sister are you more of a caretaker are you more of an aunt like how do you think they see you i think they at this point they see me very much as the big sister i i think that with my brother leaving on his mission he kind of took the mantle of the oldest sibling when i went to college and now that he's gone he's living in texas you know he's not and he is on a mission so he can't like talk to everybody in the way that he did it feels very much like i have been slotted back in as a as the oldest again it's actually been really interesting because for a long time it felt like my parents had two families they had me and then they had my other three siblings okay this is i i haven't thought of this until now but i've had this theory i'm wondering what y'all think of this so I, I feel like siblings learn to occupy different niches, right, from a young age. So, for instance, I think back to Allison and I, right? I was always, like, the calm one. And then Allison, I was, like, the calm, quiet one. And then Allison was, like, the loud, you know, clown, like, the, the, the class clown kind of attention, uh, the one at home. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I just feel like I, I wonder if kids, like, they, they, they see that one – sibling gets attention in one way Mm -hmm. so they have to get attention in a different way you can't have two siblings occupying the same niche or else they won't Mm -hmm. get the same amount of attention because that was me in high school and i was the one doing the naughty bullshit and then allison was like basically a lesbian mormon with the way she behaved (laughs) that's exactly what i was (laughs) yeah and i was like the the like the naughty one like skipping class to smoke cigarettes and all that shit so like i i carved out that niche for myself and allison was like that's stupid i'm gonna go do this opposite Mm -hmm. thing i was more concerned about how like what people thought of me i -hmm. think honestly because i was like i was more concerned about having friends and so yeah while Mm -hmm. i was out i was also like being out is a huge inconvenience to our friendship i have to be like perfect in all these other ways Mm -hmm. like when one of my mormon friends she was totally fine with me being gay but when she found out that i once tried weed like it almost ruined our friendship you know what i'm saying and so it's like you had to follow these certain things that i don't feel like you cared to fit into those Mm -hmm. no i actively rejected them yeah so like i i had long hair i had gauges i had a dreadlock like i was uh actively one single dreadlock hanging in the front a it was awful it, it called it the Dinkleberry for yes, good reason. Did. It did look like a fucking Dinkleberry. <laughs> I'm glad I sh- I'm glad I got rid of that. But but yeah, no, that's all, that's kind of always so yeah. Is is like we occupied different issues even in like in even in high school society, right? Because I had been ostracized by the Mormon Church, so I actively rejected it, and I I like made it a very big part of my of like who I was as a person to actively reject the norms of the Mormon cultural society. Mm-hmm. And then Allison was kind of trying to play within those bounds. 
Interesting. But I do want to say that I was actively rejecting those, but I was also, like, I wanted to reject those, but within the bounds. Like, I wanted to be friends with Mm -hmm. people, but still be gay. And, like, I wanted to be able to push those boundaries of, like, I was very aware of, like, I tried to be as feminine as possible to -hmm. shatter stereotypes. I think that was my thing, was trying to shatter stereotypes. Yeah. Like, you can be Mormon and have a gay friend, and that gay friend can still be a good person and not be Mm -hmm. creepy, and you can still love them. So that's where I was operating. Where I was yeah, like I think that's good. behind enemy lines and trying to infiltrate from within. Honest to God, that's I literally think that's what it was. And I, I didn't really <laughs> realize good. that until years later. But I was that's huge. very aware and very concerned with my appearance and stuff in high school because of that. I had to fit a certain role. Well, <laughs> the thing that changes like Mormons and other like homophobic groups is that if they actually know someone who's gay or any other, oh, like, exactly. I mean, a n- name a minority. I mean, like people distrust people or groups that they don't understand or know. And as soon as they know someone who's gay, they're like, Oh, I guess gays aren't that bad. Allison's gay. No, that's exactly what I was trying to do. And like, that's, we got so off topic here as far as siblings, but you're right. It's, you do kind of fit into certain categories in the family. Mm-hmm. And like, Kyle, you are smart in a way that I will never be. Like, it's not, I just simply don't have that brain. Okay, speaking of sibling roles, there's this concept that I have read about a couple of times about how when people return to the, whether it's the physical location or like the social group that they were in when they were children, they revert back to the social role that they played within their family dynamics when they're in those social situations, even if they're like grown adults. Do you guys feel like when you go, like when you go home for Christmas or whatever it is, do you guys feel like you revert back into your childhood like roles? In a way, yes. I think so. To an extent. Yeah, to an extent, but it's like a camaraderie based. Yeah. Like, so the only time Allison and I bicker is in front of our mom as like a, as like a meme, basically. And our mom doesn't know that it's like a meme now. But she, poor thing, God, we're mean. She's a saint, though. Oh. She's just like, real shout out, Carrie. But... <laughs> and we're like, well, see, mom doesn't love you because and she's like, no, I love you both. <laughs> it's just like, she's like, she's saying that because she's insecure <laughs> that she loves me more than you. And then she just cannot, she'll, she'll catch on to it eventually. But like the first like few times, she, God, that poor woman. We need to stop. <laughs> we so we do. I we will like never stop. We revert back into it, but we're aware. But there are definitely times where, if you frustrate me, I definitely revert back into and like genuinely frustrate me, or you say something that bothers me. I revert back into where I am so easily irritated, and you mm-hmm. bug me so much. <laughs> That's fair. Like you piss me off like so easily. It's just unbelievable. Or, like, we're about to leave and you're like, I need to take a shit. Like, it's, it happens constantly and it's, it's, it bothers me so much. But, I mean, so, yes, but I also feel like we're better at recognizing it. Yeah. You revert to these roles, but with your, like, fully developed brains. Sure. I guess you could call it that. This was, so, uh, the, the most recent time that I saw you back, um, it, it was, like, a couple weeks ago now, uh, was when you were doing your drag show at Elements mm-hmm. and just the amount of pride that I felt Aww. and the shit eating grin that I had on my face the whole time. <laughs> uh, it's just it's like a cool dynamic shift of mm-hmm. just like being so proud of what you're doing, like with your podcast and your drag show and like your drag king stuff. Uh that's so fun. You. Man, I was so stoked. So stoked. Glad you came. Oh my god, me too. I had such a good time. Are there any last comments on sibling dynamics? Jess, are there is there anything else you'd like to say about your dynamics with your siblings being with such a big age gap? That kind of stuff. I'm here as the oldest child to sit here and say that trend of, on TikTok where it's the like younger siblings being like, my oldest sibling traumatized me. You know what? You guys traumatized us too. So. Yeah. Yeah, like when Allison always talks about the shit that I did to traumatize her, I was like, I've heard worse, okay? Uh, There's worse big siblings out there. Oh, there sure are. But you could have been around more, you know what I'm saying? Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, um, I will say, having spent several holidays at your guys' house 
as a honorary sibling. I love watching you guys interact. It's a great time. You guys give me hope for my adult sibling relationships. And while I don't want to rush my siblings' childhoods, I can't wait for them to be little adults. It's going to be so fun. So (sighs) any other thoughts we want to share? Siblings, hashtag we grow. Siblings are fun, and I feel bad for those people that don't have siblings. So that's why, shout out to my cousin Kate, that's why I'm so mean to you and I'm so annoying is because I feel like I need to give you the sibling experience. Mm-hmm. so Definitely. for all of those out there that don't have siblings i hope somebody out there is giving you the sibling experience well kyle thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast allison thank you for letting me exploit your relationship with your brother for thank my you. own curiosity and content and kyle i hope you had your you had fun on your first three two one shots yeah thanks for letting me exploit your podcast for being on it always anything <laughs> you want to plug any any thing you got going on there's like a super dope white rapper in Boise, Idaho, who goes by Prof Z. How would you like to spell that, Kyle? P-R-O-F-Z. I actually appreciate you um, mentioning that. But I will shamelessly plug, I one of my biggest hobbies is hip-hop and uh, Prof Z, P-R-O-F-Z. Um, I'm going to be hosting an open mic on Friday. And uh Yeah just doing that stuff amazing i'm proud of you wow look at mom she has a podcaster and a rapper in her family oh god aren't we the best such a proud oh my god i know i think we might be the worst we are we are but we know it yeah it's okay a white rapper a white soundcloud rapper and and a a podcaster podcaster. well it works out because i'm your mom's favorite kid yeah, Honestly, no, no yeah. I'm starting to it's starting to make sense. <laughs> Anywho, well, Kyle, it's been so fun. We'll see you all next you. week. Thanks for joining us for this lovely 321 shots. Okay, bye. 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 Kyle, don't click anything. <laughs>